Um, all right, let me ask you guys a couple questions to get started. How many of you live in a different house than you lived in when you were in high school, let's say? Different house, okay. How many of you have a different job than the job you had when you were in high school? Raise your hand, okay. How many of you are no longer romantically involved with the person with whom you were romantically involved in high school? Okay, all right, good. Um, How many of you had some different friends than you had in high school? Yeah. How many of you have a different hairstyle than you had in high school? Yeah. How many of you are sitting next to a person who needs a different hairstyle than the one they had in high school? Go ahead. Our life has been, is now, and always will be characterized by change. We are always in a state of change. Some people like change. Some people embrace and welcome change. Some people are adverse to change and don't really like change. I'm in the second category. I've had a lot of change in my life, but I don't like change. I've got, I've got three boys at home, um, about to have a fourth, but that's not the huge announcement, but that is about to happen, just so you know. Um, if that was it, I would not be allowed to say the word huge. Along with that announcement, I'd be in big trouble. Um, just let that one trickle in for a few minutes. But um, the thing is, with my boys, I just, I don't like them changing. I always stop, I always talk, you know, Jameson just had a seven, his seventh birthday. And I said, man, you got to stop growing up. You need to just hold still and just be the way you are because I like you guys the way they are. And they just kind of smile and get this mischievous look on their face, right? But I'm thinking, I don't want them to become teenagers. I like teenagers, other people's teenagers. I don't know that I want, you know, my own. Um, I, don't li- I don't like them changing, you know. I, in my own personal life, this is full disclosure time, I, I don't like change much at all. Like, I, if I could choose in terms of clothing, I would wear the same outfit every single day. My wife says that, you know, you have a uniform. If it weren't for her, the shirt color wouldn't even change. It's like, I have to change. This is a big admission. All right. We may have to, we may have to delete this part, but if I don't think I'm going to see the same people on Tuesday that I saw on Monday, I will rock the same outfit on Tuesday that I rocked on Monday. Um, and then it gets embarrassing when it doesn't happen. You're like, oh, hey, yeah, I know. I'm in the same outfit. Um, so I'm not a big fan of change. However, change is just one of those things that all of us experience all the time throughout our life. Change is inevitable. If you're following along in your notes, write this down. Change is inevitable. There's nothing that you can do to stop it. Uh, every single day when you wake up, you're a little bit different. You're a little bit older. Circumstances in the world are a little bit different. Some of them are distant and don't affect you dramatically. Some of them are, are, are very close and dr- dr- dramatically impact you. But change is inevitable. The question then is, what are we going to do with that change? What direction does that change take? Does that change for us? Is that growth or is it decline in our own personal life? Is it advancement or is it retreat? Is it development or is it dissipation? Is it progress that we're experiencing or is it failure in life? We're all changing, but how is that change going to go? Where is that going to go? So change is inevitable, but growth 
is optional. You may or may not be in a state of growth. Here's my assumption about every single person that's in this room today, in this auditorium. If you are here, unless someone physically dragged you here, or you're coming out of some deep sense of guilt, you are here because there are things in your own heart and your own life that you know need to change. There are areas of your life that you know need to grow. And that's why we come to church, because we recognize some of us, some people here are believers and others are not believers. Some are, you know, died in the wool Christians. Some are just peeking over the fence to check this thing out. But all of us are here because somewhere in our life, we know that there's some growth that needs to happen. And we're we're hoping that being a part of a church or coming to a church or learning from the scripture will help us to grow. All of us want to grow. Um, or a couple thousand years ago, there were some guys that were from Greece, and they came to Jerusalem. They were not, um, they were not Jewish, but they had come to observe a Jewish uh, festival, and they wanted to grow spiritually. They had already given up their local gods, and they had started observing and, uh, and following God, um, and they had heard about Jesus. And they said, we want to go and meet this guy because we want, to, we want to continue to grow in our faith. And so they encountered Jesus. Philip, one of Jesus' followers, brought these guys, these Greek guys, to Jesus. And Jesus started talking to them about spiritual growth. And this is what he said is, is, is something that we could preach on for months. Here's what he said. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. What he was saying is, there are parts of your life that if you want them to grow, other parts have to die. If you want to soar in this area of your life, there may be something that you have to surrender in this area of your life. If you really want to develop, then there are going to be parts of you that have to die. And he was also referring ultimately to his own death where he, was, he died and was buried. And the grace that came out of that experience when he resurrected is something that is extended across 2,000 years to millions and millions of people. But Jesus was saying, in order to grow, something has to go. In order to grow, something has to go. One commentator put it like this. He said, everybody knew that a grain of wheat, though containing in itself the germs of life, would remain alone. In other words, if you have a little grain of wheat and it never goes into the ground, it's going to stay a little grain of wheat and over the course of time it will slowly decompose and it will never burst into life. However, then the life germs, he said, when they're in the ground, would burst forth and that single grain in its own death would give life to blade and stalk. Its death then was the true life for it released the inner life power which the husk held captive. And this life power, multiplying itself in successive grains, would clothe the whole field with a harvest of golden wheat. In other words, unless that single individual grain fell into the ground and that husk died, allowing the life germs of that, of that grain to burst forth, it, it, it would abide alone. Nothing would happen. But if that happens, it will spread and it'll be 30, 60, 100 fold in terms of the growth that, com- that comes out of the death of that one grain. So we have to ask ourselves, how do we do this? Like, wh- how do we get involved in this process of spiritual growth? There's a pastor, many of you probably know, Rick Warren in California, and he uh, wrote this, this um, 
uh, this whole sort of material about, he called it eight laws of spiritual growth. Um, I've taken some of his stuff and I'd say improved it just a little bit. And you're welcome, Pastor Warren, for that. But um, uh, I want to just go down through a few of these principles, a few of these laws of spiritual growth so that we can put you know, handles on this. So we can put legs on this and walk this out ourselves. And the very first law about spiritual growth is this. Spiritual growth is intentional. It's not accidental. We grow by making commitments. It's intentional. It's not accidental. There's an old blues singer that I like named Tom Waits. And Tom Waits has all kinds of crazy, funky music. And uh, he's got this one song called, I Don't Want to Grow Up. And the lyrics go, I don't want to have to shout it out. I don't want my hair to fall out. I don't want to be filled with doubt. I don't want to be a good boy scout. I don't want to have to learn to count. I don't want to have the biggest amount. I don't want to grow up, he says. Well, here's the good news. You don't have to grow up. Uh, Growing up is optional. Getting old is mandatory. Growing up is optional. Uh, So we don't grow in our personal life, in our spiritual life, unless we're making intentional efforts to grow in that area. Um, The Apostle Paul said this. He said, when I was a child... When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. In other words, he's saying, I'm taking, making the effort to pack some stuff up and put it away and ship it out and get it out of my life and let it die and surrender that stuff and move on, right? Now, some of you may be saying, I'm trying to do that. Like, I'm making efforts to get rid of stuff, to jettison some stuff in my life that's prohibiting me from growing. And I'm, and I'm trying to do that, but every once in a while, that stuff seems to, like, climb back on board of my ship. Can anybody relate to that? You're, like, trying to stop stuff, and then suddenly you do something, or you say something you shouldn't have, or you think something, and you go, man, I was on this path to growth, and now, gosh, I fell back, right? Well, don't, don't be discouraged, all right, because the Second law of spiritual growth is that spiritual growth is incremental. It's not immediate. We grow step by step. It's incremental, not immediate. I remember when I was younger, I'd hear people give testimonies about how they gave their life to Jesus. And then basically from that moment on, everything was smooth sailing and pink and roses. And everything was golden. And everything was amazing. And I always thought, I doubt that. Um, And I still think that, quite candidly. Because spiritual growth is not not immediate. It's incremental. Here's what I would like my spiritual growth chart to look like. Like right here, I gave my life to Jesus. Then I wrote a brilliant treatise on theology. Then I ended world hunger. And then I became a saint and went to heaven. Right? I mean, that that would be my spirit. But I think my spiritual growth chart and yours, if you're honest, probably looks a little bit more like this right? There are ups and there are downs. There are times when you're stepping forward and you're on an upward path and then you stumble and things aren't going right and you need some help and you reach out to somebody else and you're encouraged and you're strengthened by that because spiritual growth is incremental. It's not immediate. Um, Matthew chapter 6 says this, uh, 16. It said, blessed are you. Oh, this, this is, before I read this, 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 this incremental growth chart This was defined by Simon Peter, one of Jesus' closest followers. So if your life looks kind of like that, then you're in good company. Because Simon Peter, one of Jesus' closest followers, uh, came to him, and Jesus was asking his disciples, he said, Who do you say that I am? 
And they had been saying all kinds of things about who Jesus was. And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, he said, Peter, blessed are you, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. In other words, he's saying, Peter, your spirit, you just launched forward in your spiritual growth. I am, you're going to be the rock upon whom I build my church. You are amazing, Peter. Way to go, Peter. You like This is the great Peter's confession in the, in, the, in the book of Matthew that everybody points to. This is that moment when Peter is just in his shining glory of spiritual growth. Two scriptures later, Peter says something so dumb that Jesus turns to him and says, Jesus turned and said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. To Peter. Peter's spiritual growth was just went like, hey, I'm, I'm the rock upon the... Wait, I'm a stumbling block, right? I'm a blockhead, essentially, is what Jesus was saying. So if you're, if you're struggling in that area, I want to say be encouraged because spiritual growth is incremental, not immediate. Number three, spiritual growth is personal, not predictable. We grow at different rates than other people. This, this spiritual law is so important because... Wherever you fall on the spectrum of spiritual growth, there's a pitfall if you're not careful. So if you have grown in your spiritual life and you are maturing and a lot of the luggage and baggage that you were carrying, you've already thrown overboard and you are moving along down a spiritual path and you're really feeling like you're doing great and you look at somebody else who's not doing so great, who are, who's doing things and saying things and you know, interacting in the world in ways that you go, man, I don't even understand how they do that, why they're so immature. If you start looking at other people and you're doing well, you're going to experience pride. The scripture says pride comes before a fall. So you're about to fall if you're doing well and start comparing yourself with others who are not. On the other hand, if you're struggling and you're not doing well in your spiritual life and you're not growing and you start comparing yourself to others, you're going to despair. You're going to think, my gosh, I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I, it's, this, I need to give up. I can't ever get there. Other people are so much more spiritually mature than me. So the Bible says, look, it's personal, right? It's personal. It's not predictable. In fact, in Galatians, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, if anybody thinks there's something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. So Paul is saying this is a personal path for you. If you're here today and you are walking down this spiritual path on your own and struggling to figure out what's going on, know that God is there with you wherever you are at right now. Some of us, and C.S. Lewis writes about this, some of us have sort of spiritual strengths that are kind of more, you know, we, we just have, we're lucky, we're fortunate, we're blessed to have them. Some people are just kinder than other people, right? I mean, some people just are naturally kinder. They just, they, they just, their personality, they're more kind. Other people, it's like a huge spiritual step for them to not poke you in the eye if you talk to them in the morning, right? So it's a spiritual victory if they're not blatantly rude. So if you just happen to be a person who's kind, don't look down on the person who's like, you know, taking that huge step to not punch somebody in, in the nose, right? Because we're all coming at this at, at different times and in different stages. So that's why the scripture says, don't compare yourselves. Stop and take stock about where God is leading you individually. Number four, spiritual growth is habitual, not haphazard. 
It's habitual, not haphazard. There was a great pianist, uh, Arthur Rubinstein, who was uh, uh, in New York many, many years ago um, and was on his way to a concert, and a tourist happened to see him rushing down 7th Avenue, and he stopped him, and he said, Oh, uh, Mr. Rubinstein, um, can you tell me how to get to Carnegie Hall? And, of course, famously, Rubinstein said, Yeah, practice, 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 right? Yeah, I know. Okay, that was an old joke. But it, the point is still well taken. What, what, what the scripture is saying is we don't haphazardly grow. We have to develop habits, disciplines of spiritual growth that are ongoing. And even when we don't see the immediate fruit, we keep walking it out. Prayer, scripture, community with other people, a life of generosity, a life of service, a life of kindness, uh, uh, you know, reaching out to those in need and just practicing those disciplines. Here's what uh, uh, Paul compares it to, the Apostle Paul. He says, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. He said, they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. He's comparing the spiritual life, the, the spiritual growth to the training of an athlete. That You just walk it out step by step, step by step. Um, the other part of that is that when we sometimes when we think of that we think of ourselves as isolated and doing that alone but the fifth spiritual truth is this spiritual growth is relational it's relational it's not remote for four years at this church i have been promoting life groups i've been saying hey everybody should get involved in a life group you know life groups are great you really ought to do it and and i believe that and i've always believed that but it's not until this year this semester interacting with the guys in my life group, on our life group on Saturday mornings, that I'm really, truly experiencing the benefit of, of spending time relationally with other people in authentic, genuine, deep relationships that are transparent and are real and are honest. I'm telling you, the spiritual life, if you really want to experience spiritual growth, spiritual development, you cannot do it alone. It does not happen alone. There's no scripture in the Bible. There's no Christian in the Bible that we see isolated and alone. We live this out. We grow in community. Um, again, the Apostle Paul writes this. He said, we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. He's saying, you know, and we're all these at some point, right? We're all these at some point in our in our spiritual growth. And, and the Apostle Paul is saying, you got to reach out. you got to help each other. we got to walk this out together. we got to carry each other's burdens. When somebody stumbles, those of you who are spiritual, go and pick them up and help them walk down the path. So spiritual growth is relational. Number six, spiritual growth is seasonal. It's seasonal. It's not systematic. And what I mean by that is sometimes we, grow, we go through great periods of spiritual growth in our life. And then sometimes it seems like we're in a drought. Have any of you ever just been like in a period of life where it's like, I'm spiritually dry. The well is dry and I'm scraping the bottom and there's no life, right? There's no, there's, it's just not happening. Um, I was trying to figure out a way to, to bring a visual to this. And I came across this image of uh, this, tr this is a uh, cross cut of a tree ring. And what's interesting about this is that each one of these, in between each line, the distance between the two lines is an indication of how much that tree grew during that particular year. And what's fascinating is you see some of these are very narrow bands and then some of these are very wide bands. 
So this tree went through periods of great dramatic spirit, or not spiritual, but, you know, natural growth, um, and great, uh, and, and lesser periods of natural growth. Um, and it depended on the circumstances and the soil and the surrounding, you know, the rainfall for that season and a number of different factors. That's what our spiritual life is like. Sometimes we experience great growth, and sometimes we just are barely walking it out. But when we are in that period of, man, I'm in, a, I'm in a desert, I'm in a dry place, God is calling us just to keep walking down that path because we will ultimately then come into a period of spiritual growth. In fact, the scripture says this, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, at the proper time, at the right season, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Scripture saying, keep walking this out. Don't be discouraged when you're in a period of drought. Don't be, a, don't be discouraged when you're in a period where relationship and health and job and school is not going well and your spiritual life seems dry and dusty. Don't be discouraged. Keep walking it out because we will reap a harvest, he says, if we do not give up. And the last one is this, number seven. And this is the most important one. Spiritual growth is incarnational, not independent. And what that means is that incarnational simply means that Christ's spirit dwells in us. And spiritual growth for all of our striving and all of our effort and all of our energy and all of our, everything that we're trying to do is not going to work unless we allow Christ in our hearts to grow, to grow inside of us. We can keep spinning the wheel. We can do all of the self-help stuff that we know to do, and it's fine. But, but really, true, genuine spiritual growth is not imitation. It's inhabitation. It's Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit dwelling in you and growing within you. Galatians chapter 2 says this, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Spiritual growth arises when we open our heart and we say, God, I may not understand everything about you. I may not know all of the answers. I still carry questions about a number of things, but I want to invite you into my heart and I want to grow. I want you to take over my life. I want to be like that kernel of grain where I crack open the husk and allow the spirit of God to come in and grow within me. And as he grows, I diminish. But his, his power and his presence within me is what shines through in my life. I got to tell you, I believe that that's what we are called to do and be as a church. We are called to be a place where people are growing in love. They're growing in power. They're growing in purpose, growing in strength, growing in the love of Christ for the person that is outside of our community, people that we are outside of our congregation, people that we don't know, people that maybe don't think like us or believe like us. Our job is to grow personally and to open up and allow God's spirit to bring people in to experience that growth for themselves. In fact, and, and, I'll, and I'll close on this part, Rick Warren, uh, on this, in this teaching, he, he was talking to a group of pastors, and he said, pastors, you focus on growing the people in your congregation. God will focus on growing the church. So when we as a community commit individually 
to say, I'm going to work on growing. I'm going to open up my heart. I'm going to allow God to grow inside of me. I'm going to take the steps. I'm going to get encouragement from other people. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to read scripture. I'm going to serve. I'm going to pray. I'm going to be a part of what it means to really grow spiritually. People will just see that, and they will come, and they'll, the scripture says, they'll see you good, your good works, and they will glorify your Father in heaven. And that is what is happening, amen, that is what is happening and what has been happening at U City Family Church for the past four years. And that brings me to the huge announcement that I want to make to you. You guys have just been waiting for that the whole time. I had to get that sermon in first. So, for the last four years, this is what has been happening. There have been a number, well, you know, hundreds of people that have started to come and, and experience spiritual growth in their own life and then tell their friends and tell their neighbors and they're coming and people who don't even go to church are coming to church and people who don't aren't even sure what they believe or certainly not sure if they believe what we believe are coming and experiencing um, God's love and mercy and grace in their life. Um, and as a result of that, we have, we have struggled with the amount of space that we can have especially for our kids area. Um, so we have a three big groups of kids out there. How many of you guys have kids out in the space right now, out in the lobby? Um, first of all, can I tell you, you guys are awesome, you parents, because you're saying, you know what, uh, yeah, I love, you're saying, I, I want my kids to experience this, experience this church. I want to be a part of this church. So yes, I am going to have my child in Sunday school behind a portable divider in the lobby of the Tivoli Theater on the Del Mar Loop. Yes, I am going to do that. You rock. But you don't have to rock anymore. No, um, we have been, you know, our, our trustees and our building search team have spent a lot of time over the last several months looking at places, trying to figure out how do we accommodate the growth that we're experiencing. Um, we don't have a, you know, we're using restaurants for our growth track. Uh, we're, you know, I'm, ra- I'm racking up a coffee bill uh, every Starbucks and Meshuga and every coffee shop around here um, because we don't, you know, we're always using portable spaces. We're renting spaces. And so we've been trying to think, what, what can we do that would allow us to expand um, and allow, you know, families who may not otherwise come to U-City Family Church, allow them to come and create an environment that feels safe and, and good and, and age-appropriate for their kids. And how, how do we do that? Um, well, it turns out that the answer to that question was right above our heads. Um, if you will just take a look, right? You see, those, you see those lights right there coming up right over that, whatever that is, the big thing there? You see those lights? Right on the other side of those lights is the second floor of the Tivoli. And we have just entered into a lease for 4,000 square feet of the second floor of the Tivoli where we're going to launch a family center for our children's ministry, for our growth track, for prayer, for counseling, for office space, for being able to land on the Del Mar Loop, sink in our heels. Amen. This has, this, this literally could not have been a better situation for us. I, I, I'll tell you this. For the last two or three years, I have been going up to the second floor of the Tivoli. The Riverfront Times was up there. I've been going up there every three or four months, and I've been calling them every you know, couple of months. And there was a business manager for the Riverfront Times, a guy named Jeff. And I bugged the tar out of this guy. And I was like, can you just sublet us a few square feet so we could just have some kids up there? And, you know, 
no, you know, they didn't have the space. Well, they ended up moving up onto the third floor of the Tivoli, and so 4,000 square feet of wide open, airy, bright, beautiful, secure space has opened up there for us. And so we're going to be right, we're going to be right there. I don't know if you can see this, but we're going to build a, uh, a worship center up there for our kids. There's going to be age-appropriate classrooms for each different age group. Um, there's going to be offices up there. Our growth track will go and be meeting up there. Uh, we'll have a presence on the loop that is just, it's, it really is a game changer. Our setup team, these guys are amazing. Can we just love our setup team for a minute? Our setup team comes in here and cranks every day and they're putting down nursery pads and dividers and plugging things in you know they're going to form a new team i don't know what it's going to be they'll probably just come and it'll be the drinking coffee team because they'll just come and drink coffee and hang out for a little bit um here are some of the things that the second floor is going to provide us families with young children will drop off their kids in a bright beautiful secure well-designed ministry space Parents will be able to check in their children at dedicated check-in stations. There'll be self-check-in stations. Children's programming is going to be done in developmentally appropriate learning. Instead of like, you know, kindergartens and fifth graders all trying to learn together, we're going to be able to break it up. Children's ministry team will have everything they need at their fingertips rather than rummaging through the bins on Sundays to try to find all the things to plug in. Um, During our 21 days of prayer and fasting, our church will have a place to gather for prayer each morning. Our music team will have a permanent place to worship and practice each week. Um, They were in our house for about three years. So our neighbors got free concerts every Thursday night. Um, And our staff will have office space throughout the week. Our church... Oh, we have more benefits. Oh, good. Our growth track will have dedicated space to meet each week. Our church will have available space for meetings, prayer, counseling, special events. We'll have a daily presence on the Del Mar Loop, providing additional visibility. And the ministry of U City Family Church can continue to grow. I am so excited by it. I, like, I just go up there now because I have a key. So I just go up there and just stand there like, well, that was awesome. All right, I better go. Um, I'm dragging people off the street, like people walking down Delmar. You want to see our offices? It's going to be great. Um, We have some work to do. It's going to take a few weeks. Um, We're planning to have an open house uh, at the end of December. Um, We're actually shooting for Christmas Eve, but don't don't hold me to that. Um, And then we're going to launch it in January. At the beginning of January, we're going to launch it as a space. Um, so there's some rehab, there's some work that we have to do. Um, and so, you know, we've got to get a lot of that dialed in over the next few weeks. Uh, here's where I'm going to reach out to you and ask you to participate in this. This is something that I've never done at U City Family Church, um, but I'm happy to do it in this circumstance. Um, the, the cost of this is going to, would require us to use some of our savings if, we, if everything stayed the same. Um, our church has been very fiscally conservative uh, over the last four years, and we've saved a significant amount. Um, but our trustees have, uh, and I, uh, uh, have decided that we would rather, if we can avoid using the savings that we've managed to save over the last few years, we want to avoid using those because in a, maybe two years or uh, a few years down the road, we may want to purchase a satellite location, or we don't know what we want to do with that. So we want to maintain that savings. Um, in order to maintain that savings, we need to raise $40,000 You can put that next slide. There's $40,000 that we need to raise over the next six months. Now, let me tell you this. When I say need to raise, I don't mean 
need to raise. So I want you to just take a breath of fresh air, okay? We have the money right now in the bank to cover this if we, if we needed to. But in order to avoid dipping into our church's savings, we're asking everybody, if this is your church, now if you're a guest here, all you guests, man, you're just getting like an ins, you're like in the family meeting right now. <laughs> so this is how we do it. Um, please disregard this if you're a guest. Uh, but if this is your church and you're a part of U-City Family Church and, and, and whether you're a member or not, this is your church home, then I would ask you to pray and consider and think about whether or not there's some contribution that you can make to help us knock this amount out. In the last few days, uh, we've already had a number of our leaders come forward and, 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 and pledge $16,300, just like in the last three days, right? So the, the remaining amount is $23,700. Um, if this was old school, we would be like, all right, and we're not leaving here, folks, until we raise it. <laughs> My grandfather used to do that. Bless, bless his heart, man. Um, but here's what I want you to do. I want you just to pray about it and just think about it and talk to your spouse about it if, you, if, you're, if you're married. Um, uh, if you're not married... Talk to me about it, because I'll give you some input. That No, um, no just, just spend some time thinking about it, praying about it. Some of you may already know and say, hey, I'm, I'm in. I'm, I want to do this. Um, and we have, we've, all of you have a, a, a giving envelope. There's a place on the inside flap if you want to make a pledge and say, all right, here's, you know, here's the amount that I feel like I can do. Um, you don't, don't feel obligated to fill that out today. If you want to fill that out today and you know what you're going to do, let us know. Just put that on there and put it in um, the basket. Um, but I just feel like this is so worth it. The ministry that we can do in this space is so worth it. The lives that are going to be touched in this space are so worth it. The kids that are going to meet Jesus are going to, you know, it's so worth it. Like, it's a no-brainer for me. I just think that's why I, I don't feel any hesitation or reluctance to come to you with this request because I just feel like this is awesome and it's an amazing opportunity for our church. So pray about it. If you already know, let us know. Put it on your envelope. And then also I will send out an email um, tomorrow. Tomorrow. So you better sign up on your connection card. I'll send out an email tomorrow with a link to our new website. That's another announcement, but we got so many announcements today. Um, a new website, and there's, a, there's an online um, giving option that you can use. That's the one that my family is using. Uh, you can log into that, and it's a secure uh, link, and you can just get involved. So you guys, I, I just feel like so blessed and so thankful and so grateful that God has brought this church to this point. Um, Tina, the other day, I was showing Mother Ray and Pam and Tina the space, um, and, and Tina said, wow, from the pancake dinner to the riverfront times, we are moving up. I said, man, those of you who were here that first Christmas, we were having a pancake dinner in the lobby. It was awesome. Um, but God has, God has blessed this church uh, because you and I are committed to growing into the people that God calls us to be. Uh, and people are recognizing that and they're coming and they're wanting to be a part. So praise God. Praise God. So I say this. Change is inevitable. Growth is optional. Let's grow together. Let's grow together as a family. Let's grow together as a church. Let's grow together as a community. And let's continue to put Christ first and bring honor and glory to him in every single thing that we do. Amen? Amen, guys. Awesome.
Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we come before you with grateful hearts, with joy in our hearts today. Because of the blessings that you have bestowed upon us, we are humbled by your grace. We're humbled by your presence. We're humbled um, just to be a part of what you're doing in this community. We're humbled to, to uh, be able to interact with and grow with and develop deep, meaningful relationships with other people in this congregation. Uh, and we're humbled by the opportunity to grow spiritually, step by step. We're encouraged by your love. We're encouraged by your word. We're encouraged by the hope that Christ gives each and every one of us. And God, we give you all the praise and the glory for everything that you've done up to this point, everything that you are doing, and everything that you're going to do in the future of You City Family Church. We, we give you our hearts. We let that, that, that kernel of, of, of grain in our hearts die and be born again in you and resurrected in you and brought forth to new life. And Father, we ask that you help us to revive and bring life to the community around us, to the city around us, to the state, to the nation and around the world, God. Help us to be a light and a beacon of hope to bring honor and glory to you and to help people take the next step on their spiritual journey, finding mercy grace and love in you. All the praise to you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.